Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz, mama of three, author, and creator of Mama Rising. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with the world's leading experts on how we can support and value motherhood differently and mamas themselves, dedicated to changing their own definition of motherhood, all through the lens of the world-changing understanding of matrescence. Thank you for being here and thank you for being a part of the movement. Welcome back, mummers. There are a number of people I follow on Instagram who I adore. Every single word they post seems to talk directly to my soul. They deepen my understanding, the way I think and question everything. And for someone who has been obsessed with studying what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother for more than a decade, These people are pretty powerful because I learn from them every single day. I am thrilled to bring you an interview with one of those women, Sarah Durham Wilson. She has had a number of incarnations on Instagram. At the moment, you can follow her at Sarah of Magdalene. She's also the author of an upcoming book called Maiden to Mother. I'm so excited to get my hands on this in early 2022. In this conversation, Sarah and I talk about that journey from being a maiden to a mother, but in a way that I hope you too have never thought about before. It invites us to think about the way the world tells us we should be as mothers and also open our eyes and our hearts and our body to aging, to understanding how we as women are meant to grow and expand, to become wild and free. Sarah's work not only looks at the mother archetype, but also the woman archetype, the elder and the crone. And the invitation here is that if we can honour this rite of passage we're currently in, which is from maiden to mother, then as we continue to get old mamas, we will move into the next rite of passage and the next and the next with so much more joy and freedom and openness to the way that the culture has dictated how we should live. And instead, we get to choose. This is a self-actualization, a self-birth. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the Happy Mama Movement podcast. It is an honour to be able to speak to you about all of this. 
Mm, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for waking up early and talking to me. (laughs) Yes, it's a little bit of a morning voice, but we're getting there this morning. (laughs) There is so much I want to speak to you about. So much of your work around the maiden to mother experience, really undoing the ideas of who we need to be as women and as mothers. But let's start with everyone getting to know you a little bit and your story of coming into this work, because it's been quite an interesting weaving experience, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I do archetypal mother work, which... I do because it's inclusive to women that cannot or choose not to have their own children. And it's a rite of passage that's buried into maturity. And without this rite of passage, women stay what I call the wounded maiden because you're the healthy maiden until the rite of passage is calling you deeply into mother the way you see anything in nature maturing, opening, ripening being of offering to the world, you know, um, without that passage, women get stuck in this sort of inward facing cage of themselves in a really disempowered way. And it's to mature, to ripen, to self-actualize. And so it goes hand in hand with with biological mothering or actual physical mothering because the problem with the idea of like, oh, you become a mother and therefore you just come into your maturity is a total lie. So many women have children and stay in Wounded Maiden without the passage into maturity. So it's really actually refreshing to be able to come on and just actually talk about motherhood. I don't do that very much. I really just talk about archetypal motherhood, but this is fundamental to my mothering. This, mm. this maturity and the self-mothering, really taking the reins back from my own mother, who unfortunately isn't alive anymore. She died when I was young and becoming my own and modeling that self-care and that authenticity to my child and also being the, the adult in the room at all times <laughs> instead of two children, one in a grown-up's body and another one in a baby's body. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wow, I love that clarification. Yes, and it is. It's that rite of passage. But as you said, just because you've birthed a baby doesn't mean that you're now the mature mother or you move through that rite of passage and bloom into who you're meant to be. But it is the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, it is. And But some people don't know how to, know how to accept the invitation of that initiation that, that is that is happening there because they, they're without the tools, you know, these buried, exactly. buried uh, rites of passage. It's one thing to have a child and remain a child. I also say it's one thing to have had a mother and it's another thing to have been mothered. And that's a whole different art <laughs> that my mother didn't have the tools to do either. Wow. So how did you come to this yourself? You were a journalist, a writer in New York City, I understand. Yeah, I was a like, you know, party girl, wounded maiden, rock star journalist, rock journalist, and uh, really living a very externalized life. Everything was about status and clothes and that sort of uh, resume life and external identity. And then my Saturn return happened and I had gotten addicted to pills and wine. And my fiance had decided to leave me at 30, about a month before we were to get married, in October of whatever that year was. It's now 12 years ago. Uh, so uh, I don't know. And so, um, um, and so I went through this like deep, dark 
dark, dark time without any tools to understand what was happening, which was really what I believe that was the time that I was supposed to be anciently walking through this rite of passage into the summer of my life or mother. Then I had this massive goddess awakening, a Kundalini awakening, and began writing under the pen name Do It Girl. Um, and I wrote under that name for about six years. And then I went to Peru to work with ayahuasca and the shaman there uh, coaxed me into a relationship and I ended up getting pregnant with him. And it was a very dark relationship. There was no, um, there was, you know, I don't really believe that you can have a healthy relationship with a student and a teacher. I don't think that's safe at all. But I didn't know that because I was in Wounded Maiden and asking, I was looking to be parented and not partnered. I was always looking to sort of be adopted and had no access to my own inner authority or my own voice or anything like that. And so um, I began this really dark descent with an, uh, Anana, goddess Anana, um, when I got away from him, but I was, you know, pregnant with my child. And, you know, we're so culturized to say, you see a pregnant woman and you immediately say, congratulations, but like, you can't always assume the context around it is shiny and happy. Um, which is another just sort of myth of motherhood. You know, it starts with pregnancy. Oh, you should be so happy, you know, isn't life perfect now that you're pregnant? <laughs> and my story was that I was pregnant in an abusive relationship and knew nobody else that had ever gone through that before um, and had to get a restraining order and everything. I had to go to court pregnant. And and it was the, one of the darkest times of my life, probably the top three. Mother died, uh, fiance leaving. And these were all initiations that I had no idea how to uh, work with. And so I just numbed them away. But finally, this one really pulled me uh, deep, deep in. And I changed my name to the mother spirit, just sort of guided to do that. Because girl, of course, is maiden. <laughs> and, um, and I began to study the goddess Inanna and teach on her. And really what she was teaching me was a self-rebirth. Um, and with those tools that became the maiden to mother work. So through the goddess Anana myth, I really pieced together this bridge from the immature feminine to the mature feminine of how to become sovereign, how to become your, your own authority, which is to say the author of one's life, how to respond and not react, how to create an inner mother that, you know, working with the model of what I didn't have when I was little and what I needed and who the world needs me to be now. And then, of course, that's a really good mother to my child. I mean, on good days, you know, <laughs> I'm a human. <laughs> There's some days that I'm not, a, I mean, I'm, and I'll never be a perfect mother, but I'll be a loving mother and I'll be a wild mother and I'll be a, a cherishing mother. I remember teaching that I say, you know, the maiden talks it, the mother walks it and just teaching it when it was still just really cognitive, but I was very proud of myself for piecing all this together. And then suddenly the, the crucible was there of like, and now it's time to walk it. And just, you know, because we're all like children, we won't do as we're told, we'll do as you show us, you know? And so I, I knew I had to start really modeling maturity in my own life. I couldn't just talk it anymore. And that's how the mother work has really molded into real truth that really <laughs> rebirths women. And it's uh, a blueprint that's been missing. And I use it every day of my life. And here we are. <laughs> wow. So much in there that I want to pull apart and examine. But could you start <laughs> by telling us about the goddess Inanna? 
and maybe just give us a little understanding of who she is and what about her and her teachings has been able to walk you through this? Sure. There was something that sort of happened after my Kundalini awakening, and I guess that was 2011, where I I began this sort of goddess, this like inner goddess school where I um, was sort of like, I would be told a name and then I would start to understand like the frequency, the energy, the qualities of that goddess. And I would spend from two, two weeks to a few months getting to know her Um, studying everything I could about her. And then I'd sort of feel like, oh, here's a new one to meet. And so I sort of went through this like pantheon of goddesses that had been buried from us, certainly weren't in any of the history books or anything like that. And it had been completely missing from my life. It was always the missing piece is the ancient feminine and the goddess. And then there was one in particular um, that just kept coming to me, Anana, Anana, Anana. And I'd never seen the name before. And I remember like trying to spell it in Google and spelling it the wrong way. And then it came up and then it said underworld descent. And I was like, well, that certainly feels appropriate. <laughs> that certainly feels <laughs> like where I might be. Um, and I always felt like before now, like in my wounded maiden life, I always felt like I was at the bottom of a frozen pond and everybody else was like skating hand in hand happily above. And I just couldn't break through. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't live. I didn't know how other people could. And I think I almost feel like I was born in the underworld. And I felt that way my whole life until I saved myself. She came to me and I I got to know her for years and years. And one day she said, it's time to teach me. And I said, I can't do that. And she said, you have to. And, uh, and so I remember being like, what am I doing teaching this? And it led to the maiden to mother. But goddess Anana was an ancient Sumerian goddess who was like the modern woman who has everything. She was the queen of heaven and earth. Like you can quite ask for more, but she did want more. She wanted her feminine darkness, the dark feminine um, of the underworld where her severed sister Ereshkigal cried out for her in grief uh, when her husband Gugulana was killed. So here's Anana. She's just gotten married to a younger shepherd named Demutsi. She has a palace. She has servants. She has, quote unquote, everything on the outside, but she's feeling deeply empty on the inside. Um, and so she says, I'm going to answer this call in the underworld of my severed sister, which we all have that Ereshkigal, that dark one the, that has not been allowed in the upper world of patriarchal culture, like the ugly us, the broken us, the grieving us, the raging us, the lustful us, you name it, all the stuff that, all the stuff that basically isn't pretty pleasing and polite, you know, (laughs) Um, and that a Lilith in us, the exiled one. And so uh, everyone tells her not to go. Mary Oliver writes this amazing poem called The Journey about this moment. One day you finally knew what you had to do to save the only life you could save, which is your own. And despite everyone shouting their bad advice and screaming, mend my life. (laughs) I think most women know that feeling. Um, And so she decided not to listen to the outer din of everyone's bad advice or everyone's opinions and unsolicited advice. And for the first time ever, answered her own cries and listened to her own inner voice and went to the underworld with the powers of the Mies, which are the earthly powers of resurrection and self-healing, which we all have. Um, And she deeply trusted those. So she knew she would return, but return whole and different 
and that she would leave some part of herself down there that no longer served her. Um, and the rest is sort of her story, but she does rise again and she teaches us how to do so from the legend of what happens down there, which is integral to everything I teach on and what happens down there when we learn how to hear ourselves and in so doing learn how to heal ourselves. And uh, that's Anana. <laughs> oh, the history mythology journalist in me could talk about that for an hour because I love those archetypal stories. I love those stories because they show us so much about ourselves, don't they? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Starhawk says, like, the test of a good myth is every time you open it, it meets you where you are and some new thing, some new piece of it that you've never seen before finds you. And every time I go to Anana, I've told that story 10,000 times, but I'll tell it forever because I always hear something different that I need to remember about my own journey or that reflects back to my own journey for sure. Yeah. Wow. So hearing all of that and knowing in every cell of my being that this is what we're here to experience through these rites of passage of womanhood, including becoming a mother and moving from that wounded maiden to that mature mother. How does that play out, though, in day-to-day modern life when you are at home trying to juggle deadlines or work or household chores that somehow always seem to fall to you and you have your children and all of this? How do we modernise that? Because it is still what we're here to do is is sink in, claim parts of ourselves that have been rejected or shamed or left behind, really listen to ourselves, self-actualise and mature into this whole woman. So can you bring that back into the very modern experience of a mama who's listening right now who feels that uh, disconnection from parts of herself, feels that struggle? What does that look like nowadays? What do we do with that? Mm, well, first of all, any mamas out there, I'm, I don't know if there's any single mamas out there, but I'm a single mama. And yeah, my three and a half year old isn't picking up or doing the dishes. So yeah, there's no one else that it falls on. I have a, a new mentor that I, who I'm, I adore. Her name is Shanti Zimmerman, um, which is built in peace on Instagram. There's something called a, a care wheel and I would call it like my inner chalice, but it's like our work is to fill that, uh, fill the chalice for ourselves first. So in the morning, even though Avalon and I get up at the same time, I say like, mommy needs five minutes to talk to Freya. So I work with goddess Freya right now. Mama needs five minutes to talk to Freya. <laughs> and I sit down and I just ask her to like, you know, like make me in your image, walk with me, fill me with your wisdom, your strength, your power, your compassion, your generosity, your love, your wisdom. And I really feel like I'm when you watch the gas tank fill up and I'm like, okay, you know, and then I check in with my maiden. What do you need to feel safe? What do you need to feel seen or loved? And I just do that in five minutes. Usually it's like, can you cancel that thing we have to do? Can we schedule some play time, you know, buy a new dress or can we go like, can we go to the beach today? And I like hear the side of the maiden that needs play, that needs pleasure. And then I attend to her and then I attend to my life, but I attend to my chores and everything in like a very tantric way. Like, so 
I set up beauty, like, um, you'd, I'd feel like a fraud right now because looking at my kitchen, but normally I set up beauty, like I have incense burning and I play music all the time and I would dance while we do the dishes and I make, you know, Ram Das. It can be, it can be a great weight or it can be a dance. And I just remember the beauty way. I remember I'm in mother, I'm in deep humility. I'm in deep gratitude. So like, there's always something to be grateful for. And I find that that it, it gives me the switch of like, I don't have to clean my kitchen. I get to clean my kitchen. I get, I have a kitchen. I'm so grateful. I have a kitchen. Like I really have to use all these tools. And if I can't do it, so Shanti talks about the care wheel. Like, so we fill this care wheel up and we beam it out to others as mother. But if it, as soon as it starts to deplete, it's, she does this really cute thing that you can't see me doing. She just kind of goes and the care wheel goes back into her and she just takes a time out. I got to go fill myself again. So yeah, I tell a story about watching my dear departed wounded maiden mother, like literally driving us to school on empty, coming in on two wheels, like super late, all of us in the back seat with crossed fingers that we won't end up on the side of the road because we were watching the gas light on. And it's like, it was such a metaphor for her mothering that it was always just on fumes, you know, everything was desperate and an emergency. And so bless her from her, this work has been born. So when I'm piecing together my inner model mother, I look at what I needed back then and the way my mother was. And so I need to be on full. I want to give that to my daughter. I'm on full. I have love to give. I have presence to give. I have energy to give. So it's my job to watch that meter. And part of this is also letting go of this very patriarchal idea of superwoman. I reached out to you to do this podcast after uh, you shared something on Instagram that resonated so much with me. It brought up that, you know, it's your truth when it's, it brings up both supreme anger and this real knowing that this is true. It brings that polarity of peace and anger at the same time. And it was this post for International Women's Day, how we need to stop celebrating this multitasking superwoman mother who is breastfeeding on one boob, settling a toddler with her other hand, stirring the dinner at the same time. I'm so exhausted listening to you. Oh, and you know... (laughs) To be completely transparent and honest, when I started this work, when my first child was born 13 years ago, I did. Actually, um, I started a blog. I used to talk about how we're amazing. Look what we can do. Look how we can juggle. Like That's actually what I believed being a strong mother was all about. And, you know, and I forgive myself for that because... I know that's actually what I was taught as well. And part of what I want to do with this work now is to smash that idea of this is who we need to be. And I know this is what you're here to do as well. Yeah, 100%. So how do we do this? When I say it's one thing to have had a mother and it's another thing to have been mothered, I really wasn't mothered at all. So if there's any of you out there being like, I don't know what the 
hell I'm doing. I had no model for this. Like, it's really scary. You know, I I've been there. Um, and I had to create my own model. Like I, I couldn't live up to these impossible standards of motherhood. So I have reclaimed my wild, like we howl like a little wolf pack and we play and we wrestle and the house falls apart. But as long as we're healthy, the unsolicited advice when I had a child of like, people telling me, okay, put the baby to bed and then clean up the house and then get the food ready for the morning. And I'm like, are you crazy? When that baby goes to bed, I go to bed. Like everyone else's rules. And that's really like, you know, uh, saving your own life is just like, what works for me? You know, don't listen to me about what works for me. What works for you? You know, like what makes it sustainable instead of endless burnout? So the best advice I've gotten is like, don't be superwoman. Let the dishes pile, you know, as long as the child is happy and healthy, good job. Don't look at all those perfect mommy (laughs) Instagrams or anything like that, because I'm also like a very passionate artist and I don't want my child to feel like I sacrifice that for her and then resent her for that. So she'll sit next to me with the movie. And I'm like, mommy needs to write, you know, mommy needs to work. Mommy loves to work. Mommy loves to write, give mommy half an hour and then we'll play. But like, it, if it doesn't work for me, it actually doesn't work for her. So when it does work for me, it works really well for her. It's so symbiotic that way. It is. And also, we're not meant to be doing it on our own. We're not meant no. to be cleaning the kitchen and making the food and working all on our own behind closed doors in isolation. We're meant to be doing this in a village. We're meant to be initiated into the rites of passage. We're meant to be shown how to save our own lives. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the crux of my work is to teach women to do that, to to stop waiting to be saved. I think many of us have tried to create villages, but the problem is I think 70% of some of these new, like sort of spiritually minded villages fall apart within the first three to six months or something because people are not initiated into maturity. So they're coming into relationships wounded and immature with this dream of a village, but they haven't practiced mature relating, which you need for conflict. It's a village consciousness needs to happen first of how to relate to each other maturely. I'm fortunate that I've worked my single mother ass off to have a cook and a cleaner because I just, I started to realize I can't do it. I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all. And I want to give people money to support the people that do do this. You know, and part of my maturity has been delegation. And part of my maturity is I know where I'm the help and I know where I need help. You know, so I've created like a small village with a chef and a cleaner and that sort of thing. But it's it's nowhere near what it should be. My daughter should be running around in a pack and other all the mothers and their different gifts should all be like united in a village and we should be raising each other's children. But that's not where I am right now. But I believe in that dream with every piece of my heart. And also, I think what I can hear you saying is that. this is what we should have. We should have that village. Absolutely. It's the way we hope it will be in the future, but we don't need to wait for that right now. We can claim our own lives. We can step into the mature relationships. We can step into this mature woman where we are right now. It is still possible even without the pieces of the puzzle that we really should have. Right. I mean, the first step you'd probably agree, I think, is just... Uh, dissenting like D-I-S-S-E-N-T 
from the culture and these impossible standards for womanhood and for motherhood. And you get to say what kind of mother you are. You get to create that model for yourself. I have a, a new standard in our house also modeling off. My mother died at 45 when we had just turned 17 and my twin sister and I. And my mom was sad my whole life. And I thought that's what life was. You were sad and then you died early. And from that model, um, sometimes really simply what I do with my women is just like, okay, some of the negative traits of your mother, like what are the opposite of those? So sadness, joy, right? Um, And it's sometimes that simple. So like we have a new stasis in our house, my home, which is joy. Really, that's a gift from my mother. Like, That didn't work, that constant depression as a mother, that constant sadness. So really our constant has become joy. And I know I'm giving my my daughter a massive gift. Like here's our resting place is to find joy, learn how to access that for herself. So that means a ton of dance parties, a ton of pillow fights, Um, (laughs) you know, like it's, it is what we make it, you know, it's an art. And it's also individual and unique. And Absolutely. As, and as each woman listens to this, to really begin to carve out that time and space and that place of safety where you feel like you can descend into asking yourself these questions, you know, what is the opposite of what I felt and how can I bring this into my life? What do I need to break free of in this patriarchal idea of who I need to be. You know, we we need to find our own, as you said, self-actualise our own answers in this. And this is the gift of this rite of passage of motherhood, of matrescence. This is what it's here to do for us if we know what we need to be doing. It's a skill and a tool we need to be shown, isn't it? Yeah, and I wish I'd known about you, you know, four years ago because... I was just searching for models and comparing myself to these perfect mothers on social media, which I'm not trying to put them down, but I could never be that, you know? Um, And so I was always shaming myself that I wasn't a perfect Waldorf mom that wanted to stay home and like make felt dolls all day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and you know, and I don't like to cook and I don't, you know, I mean, I don't like to cook. I'm not a, I'm not a domesticated woman. I always wanted to be, but I, I, I just... I know who I am at 42. I'm not that, you know? So a lot of time, I not say wasted, but shaming myself and trying to be something that I wasn't. And that's not a gift to my child either. My authenticity is a gift to model so she can access that, you know? Um, so in your heart, yeah, it does take a ton of soul searching and it's not something anybody can do for you to figure out. I mean, because really what, what I believe this initiation is asking is for our truest self. Um, What a gift to your child to model that. Because if you're in your authenticity, you're in your joy, right? And so I think a happy mother, whatever that looks like to you, however that is, is the greatest gift you can give to your child, a happy, healthy mother. And one final thing I just want to say, Sarah, and then hear your reflections on this. Listening to our conversation over the last half hour, which I have loved so much, I feel like I also want to finish by saying there is no end point here. It's a very masculine idea to think that there is a a deadline, a a point where you'll say, oh, 
I am a matured mother. Here I am. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, this is this is messy. It's not linear. You're going to get it right and then you're going to get it really wrong and you're going to feel uh-huh. like you don't know where you're going and you feel like you're back to that person you don't want to be and then you'll come uh-huh. back to an even higher version. Like let us give ourselves as women the understanding that this is a full lifelong process of undoing this wounded maiden patriarchal idea of who we need to be as women and mothers and don't put any expectations or timelines around this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, today, you know, it's been a good week, but (laughs) usually that's like, usually I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, things are going too well, you know? (laughs) Yeah, all the grace in the world and all the compassion for ourselves in the world. And again, we're doing something that's meant to be done by villages and most of us are doing it alone. And that is like, you know, deep compassion for that. And finding your own way of villaging, you know, like I said, I found mine, it's not enough, but I'm not gonna give up on the dream for sure. Thank you so much for your time, your words, your dedication to this, everything that you put out there. I will share all of your work in the footnotes and I'm incredibly grateful for you and what you do and that we could get to share this together today. Me too. And it's perfect. My little one just rolled up. So I'm going to go full. That's the other thing. I just, if I could say, I used to try to like work and be with my daughter. And I know I said like, sometimes I, you know, I ask her for 30 minutes or whatever, but I've learned to not feel like the fiber of my being being ripped apart. Like when I'm with her, I'm fully with her. Everyone in my life knows, okay, I'm offline. My child's with me. So that really helps my peace of mind and my, you know, the deepest gift I can give to her is my presence. So, um, beautiful way to finish thank you so much (laughs) okay thank you bless you amy and thank you for your amazing work too and i hope to talk to you soon so what did you think i love sarah's words and as i said right at the beginning i'm incredibly excited about her book coming out in april 2022 mother to maiden all the details are in the show notes and i love the way she described herself as a mother as a loving mother, a wild mother, a cherishing mother. We get to choose what type of mother we will be. We get to look in the eye, the culture and society we live in, the stories it tells us we should be, and define it differently. That's what this is all about. Remember, if you want to explore matrescence and how this journey is changing you, define it for yourself instead. Go to my website and have a look at the program that really begins all of this for you, the birth of you. It's an introduction into matrescence and an invitation for you to look at how you want to define yourself in this moment. Thank you for being a part of this conversation, Mama. We change the way mothers are valued and seen in our society and our world by bringing these conversations to light and spreading the whispers of matrescence. And so I ask you to be a part of this movement now. Speak to others around you about matrescence, about your experience of motherhood. Let's bring it to light together. To find out more about matrescence, go to amytaylorkabaz.com 
forward slash matrescence and receive your free ebook, The Matrescence Map, so you can understand it even deeper. Thank you for being a part of this. Until next week, Satnam. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.